if you're going to self-manage, know your property, know the product, know the neighborhood, and know what you are looking for. Only you can answer that no one else. It's time for the Creative Real Estate Podcast, your source for out-of-the-box real estate investing strategies brought to you by ecospace.com. Now, here's your hosts, Adam and Jason. Welcome back to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. I'm your co-host, Jason, Jay Lewis. And today we're getting to dive into one of my more favorite topics, which is the management of real estate. Over the years, we've had different groups on here talking about different aspects of PM, but I'm excited to have Eric Ross on today, mainly because he has grown a property management company from zero doors to over 300 and then had a successful exit on that property. He is back in the real estate property management game today, but our goal is not to talk about PM and ownership standpoint and growing it but from a real estate owner standpoint, kind of 101, PM 101. What are questions that you should ask your PM company when you're interviewing them? When should you decide to consider third party if you're self-managing? Just a bunch of questions around PM 101. Super excited. Eric is an ex-Marine. He is the man when it comes to property management. I'm excited to have him on, dive in to his background and some tips and tricks that he might share with our listeners. Eric, welcome to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. And thanks so much, Jason. I really appreciate being here. So first off, how has your background, I know a lot of people aren't in the military, but kind of one of the first questions I like to just dive into when did you transition to real estate from the military background? And how does that military background helped you in something like a property management? Certainly. So um, I am a former Marine. And after leaving the Marine Corps, I spent some time in the hospitality industry. I went to Johnson & Wales to get a culinary degree and spent a number of years from the early 2000s to about 2008 in the hospitality industry, managing front and back of the house of hotel restaurants and bars. As my life situation changed, I got married, had a child. The uh, late nights of hospitality work weren't as appealing as they once were and made a transition into the real estate game in 2008, just before the Great Recession. I utilized the background of hospitality, as well as the military background and just systems procedures and being able to systematize the day-to-day operations of real estate management and real estate at all to get into property management and then eventually grow my own company. Why real estate? What triggered you because especially property management, because a lot of people believe that the management is kind of the bane of an owner's existence. Like it's a necessary evil. You to own a rental property, you have to manage it, but that is one of the least sexy and desirable aspects of being a real estate investor. So why that role? It really just kind of fell into my lap. I was tired of being in the restaurant, was out on Craigslist searching jobs found an opportunity to start showing apartments for a small up-and-coming management company, interviewed for the position, got it, and it started from there. 
I showed properties for a period of time and slowly worked my way into the operations, uh, eventually touching just about every job you can in the industry, except being a maintenance tech as I'm just not that handy. Nice. Which is for our listeners, which is more painful, unhappy tenants or unhappy guests or restaurant people that are in that industry? Which of those two would you say is maybe the toughest to deal with? Well, the easy thing about an unhappy guest at a restaurant or a hotel is eventually they're going to leave a lot sooner than your tenant will. So I would have to say that the tenants being unhappy are a little bit tougher because you typically have a longer term relationship with those individuals rather than a guest who's here for the weekend. Good point. Good point. Yeah. You're in the long haul, whether it's a six-month lease, 12-month lease, you're with them for that period of time. So I fully understand that that might be an extra little headache that you don't have with the restaurant person that's just walking out after they eat. So before we kind of dive in just the 101, any funny, interesting stories within the PM that you would like to share at the very beginning off the top of your head? Not particularly. It's a job that it's funny after the fact. Most of the time in the day-to-day, there's less humor to be found in it. We could do an entire series and episodes on the shenanigans and chicanery of property management. So it's tough to grab one out the gate. I bet. How many years you've been in? 15 years or so in the PM world? About 13 and a half. All right. So I'm guessing thousands of tenants at this point. So there's a high probability of some probably entertaining after the fact stories that we'll have to dive into in another episode for sure. Certainly. All right. Someone's bought their first property. Let's just dive in 101. Someone has bought their first property or maybe they are a landlord by accident. Someone that's lived in a house, they got married, their husband or wife also had their own home. So they move in with the other one and they now have a property that will become vacant and they're considering whether they should rent it or sell it type of deal, or someone who's went out and bought that first property as an investment and it's vacant. So what are kind of the 101s of property management, what they should be thinking about, questions they should be asking themselves to decide if they want to self-manage or hire a third party? Sure. That can be a fairly extensive list, but first and foremost, do I want to be a landlord? If you can answer yes to that, then you can kind of move to the next set of questions, which is, do I want to self-manage or do I want a professional to do it for you? I typically say to clients or people who have inquired about our services, no one needs a property manager until they need a property manager. If you're able to lease your property to a fantastic tenant who pays their rent on time every month and maintenance issues are little to none, it makes a hard argument to have us as a resource. But that's not always the case. And there are reasons to have a property manager. The biggest, I think, is just ensuring that you are in compliance with state law, uh, regardless of what state you're in, and ensuring that you are treating the tenant appropriately, fairly, and within the confines of the law. I think that's probably the easiest place to get yourself into a pickle is not understanding tenants' rights, landlord rights, et cetera. The next area that is and can be a challenge comes with money. Security deposit, for instance, is not your money as the owner. It is the tenant's money that you're holding on their behalf. So ensuring proper record keeping, et cetera, 
is absolutely vital to ensuring your success as a property manager, whether it's self or for others. So if you can answer the questions of, do I feel like I can be compliant? And do I feel like I can account for monies appropriately? You may have a shot at being a self-manager. If those things seem daunting, the call in the middle of the night that the tenant has no heat or say 30 showings in a week's period of time to lease your property out. If those things don't sound appealing, it may make sense to seek out a professional. You had mentioned those late night calls. How important is it that someone has those resources in advance? What do you recommend to that person who has never reached out to a HVAC company or a electrical company? Is there any tips if they are going to self-manage that you would advise them in advance? Certainly. uh, Relationships are a huge part of this industry and cultivating those vendor relationships, whether they be electrical, plumbing, HVAC, legal, CPA, et cetera, is absolutely vital. So as you're you know, beginning the journey of self-managing, reaching out to individuals that you've done business with in the past or individuals that you can get a solid recommendation for and having those vendors quasi on standby is absolutely vital. Not knowing who to call at 1 a.m. for no heat, you will probably find someone who is willing to go out, help you, but you may or may not be getting the best service or the best price in that 1 a.m. call. Yeah, that that definitely was my situation whenever I was self-managing is we did have a furnace go out. It was, I think, the Christmas Eve or the day before, day after, but give or take around that time frame. And literally that's when it went out and the tenant had some guests in town and it was winter here in, in Colorado. So I think replacing that was probably two to three times what someone who had a relationship with a group, because it was essentially a, I don't have to do this. I'm only going to do it if I get a ton of money. And that was a hard hit. And that was kind of when I started thinking about hiring it out, knowing that the PMs would have those resources that I just didn't have at that time. So those service calls are actually costing me more money than the fees that I would be paying simply because they would have those relationships to get that work done more of a reasonable rate. So that definitely learned that lesson at the beginning. But speaking of that, self-managing, I did learn a ton. So in your eyes, what's the benefit of someone self-managing to just kind of learn the business? What's some things that they could do for a few years and make sure that they kind of learn the tricks of the trade? So then when they did hire that out, they could just make sure they were a little more knowledgeable and make sure they could kind of manage the manager in a sense. Well, hopefully you've selected a solid manager and the managing of your property manager is minimized as that's what you're paying that individual to do. We kind of joke in that self-managing owners all go to college as they're learning to manage properties. And those checks they write in the mistakes and overcharges are tuition. So it's a good thing. I love when I have an informed client who has self-managed on some level for a period of time, as it makes our job a lot easier for them to understand what we do and the cost of doing business. 
So self-managing your single or you live in one side of a duplex house hack it on the back end and manage that tenant. It's fantastic. Again, just ensuring that you have as much knowledge at your fingertips for, again, just compliance, whether it be on the legal or the financial side is the biggest thing that they can do is just get that knowledge wherever you can get that knowledge from. I'm guessing that would be reaching out to a couple real estate specific legal counsel teams, uh, law firm groups in their town that they're managing in advance. Probably, I know we get emails from several of the, the big groups in town alerting us to any new changes or rules or regulations. So any other tips around that of gaining that knowledge from the PM specific legal counsel? So absolutely. You're going to typically find one or two, maybe more depending on the market, law firms that specialize in tenant landlord law. And most of those law firms are going to have some sort of uh, outreach to landlords to give them just that knowledge and the data. So reaching out to those groups are huge. From a CPA's perspective on the financial side, finding a CPA local who has some experience working with landlords who own real estate, and even just your local broker who may or may not have helped you purchase or sell a home, reach out to them and get their recommendations as they, chances are, know someone who owns investment properties and may or may not be self-managing, and there may be some additional resources there. Yeah, it's great tips. What is, you mentioned a little bit ago, the 30 showings in a weekend, you might have some of your data off a little bit if you're having to show it 30 times, not get at least. So any tips on the stats that you guys use to kind of make sure that if you aren't hitting those, then you can adjust your pricing or make renovations or do something to adjust the property or the listing to make sure you get at least, is there any stats in a way like number of showings or time on market, anything like that you could give someone that's maybe leasing, self-managing their and leasing their first property? Certainly. This is a bit of an art rather than a science. You can use data and say, okay, it takes seven showings to lease, nine showings to lease. Currently, we're somewhere in that seven to nine showings to lease meaning we'll show the property seven to nine times and we should get an application that we can approve and execute a lease on. But it is still an art rather than a science as you move into different seasons. Currently, we are in our slower season. So typically that mid-November to mid-January is the slowest period of the year. And we'll see a decrease of somewhere between 40 and 50% in our showing volume. So again, you can't necessarily use the number as a rule if I'm to nine to 11 showings in November, December, that's probably not terrible. And whether you adjust terms or price on your listing is kind of your option. So you can be a bit more aggressive this time of year in pricing and get better terms, meaning you're able to negotiate a lease that gets you out of the slower time of year. You may be in a position where Reducing rent isn't exactly what you need to do, and it doesn't hurt to have a bit more of a vacancy and you wait for the right tenant. So there is a bit of art to what we do rather than just sheer science. But typically, if in the first week I post a property, if I'm not receiving around three to four inquiries per day, uh, and in that same time period of a week, getting somewhere between three to five showings out of that. I would pretty much say that we're 
probably on the high side price-wise, or we may need to address a glaring issue in the property. Any specific ones that people should be aware of that if it's not leasing, a lot of times it is condition or price or what causes a house to not lease majority of the time? Well, number one, if you're overpriced for the market you're in, timing, product, and neighborhood. Secondly would be if the property itself is not clean, there are functional obsolescence, skinny staircase going upstairs. It's a four bedroom, beautiful home, but it only has a tiny bathroom. Those are things that you may or may not want to correct in that I don't want to rebuild a staircase or I'm not interested in putting in a second bathroom, but you may need to adjust your price accordingly to gain the advantage working against those issues. Speaking of like the staircases, is there any tips or tricks around purchasing a property that is best suited to be a leased property, a for rent property? Is there any specific layouts or bedroom count or anything that someone's looking for the first property that they should stay away from or be drawn towards for investment property? I think When you're looking to make your first or next investment, the first question you need to ask yourself is, what is a good rental for me? So what is your metric of success? Is it cash flow? Is it appreciation? Is it GRM? Is it a cap rate? So once you can answer the question, what is a good rental for me? What's going to say this is a good deal? Then I think you can begin to break down or move on to the next layer. So if you're looking for high appreciation, that's going to look different than your larger cash flow. So typically the higher the cap rate, the little bit better the cash flow. So it also comes with additional, let's say, work, if you will. So if it's got a super high cap rate, look at a mobile home park per se. Probably find a stellar cap rate on it. But in our experience, we can tell you that it's not the easiest asset to run, but it'll cash flow well. So Again, there's no real science to it. It really comes down to you as an investor. What do you have the stomach for? What makes sense for you financially? And what is the best route for you to take? Two bed, one bath apartments are easy to rent most of the time. The larger the house and the more higher end the property, the less people are looking for that type of product. So I guess it kind of comes down to what you're comfortable with and what is the quote unquote, every man or every lady looking for. That's great. Well, let's go ahead and take a quick break here from our sponsor. And we're going to change it up a little bit just because I know that there's some awesome tips and tricks as we keep saying for Eric to share. So instead of doing the final five, I think I'm going to put them on the spot. And when we come back, have them do five tips that he can share with our listeners. That's PM 101. So here's our word from our sponsor. We'll be right back. We'd like to thank our sponsor, Ecospace Real Estate. Ecospace is a Denver, Colorado-based real estate company with a national reach. They provide a unique offering called Flip Your Home, where they utilize their own internal fix and flip crews to flip their clients' homes prior to listings. Their brokerage clients gain, on average, 23000 of instant equity, which is then taken 100% tax-free. If you'd like to learn more about gaining additional tax-free equity in your home prior to listing, then please visit ecospace.com. 
All right, guys, we're back to the Creative Real Estate Podcast with Eric Ross. And we're going to dive in into the final five questions. We're going to go into the final five tips and tricks for PM 101. Eric, I'm throwing you on the spot. What do you got for us? Number one is if you're going to self-manage, know your property, know the product, know the neighborhood, and know what you are looking for. Only you can answer that. No one else, even a property manager is only going to help guide you, but know what you have as much as you're able and know who your target is. That's number one. Number two, build relationships. Whether that relationship is with your local broker, HVAC, electrical, as we spoke about earlier, build those relationships as you're self-managing. You are going to have to have those relationships in order to be successful. Number three, know where the money is. Whether that's the tenant's rent money, security deposit, bills, paying those vendors, making sure taxes are up to date, limiting your tax liability as best as you're able. Know where the money is and know who to count on to assist you there. Number four, know the law. As much as you're able, we're not attorneys, but we have great attorneys that work with us. So ensure that if you're going to go after a tenant for non-payment of rent or for eviction or for non-renewal, just ensure you know the law. And if you don't, pick up the phone and call an attorney. Number five, know when to quit. If you get in a situation where you're not comfortable dealing with your tenant, dealing with the remodel, dealing with the next step in that process of managing properties, know when to quit and call the professional. We are here for a reason. We are good at what we do and we know these things and we're here to be a resource. If you pick up the phone and call me, I'm not going to sell you on using my service. I'm going to be a resource and give you the best information I can give you to help you. That typically leads to a relationship down the road. Man, that's awesome. I put you on the spot there. It's going to be interesting to see which top five come to your top of mind. And that's awesome. So, and speaking of contacting you, reaching out, is there a better way than any others for listeners to reach out if they do have a question that we can throw in the show notes for people to reach out to you? Certainly. If they'd like to email me, I'm happy to provide my email. That's going to be Eric, E-R-I-C at ecospace, E-C-O-S-P-A-C-E.com. And then our website, ecospacepropertymanagement.com. There's a contact us form there. Happy to answer any questions and be a resource to any listener out there. Really appreciate the opportunity to just give some information and be that resource at that go-to. That's great. Eric, really appreciate it. And I'm just going to quickly go over these again, these top five before we end. Know your property, build relationships, know where the money's at, know the law. And I think the last one is an awesome tip, which is know when to quit because we see that in the fix and flip, in the brokerage world, in the PM world is that people are like, I'm just going to push through. I'm not going to toss the towel in. And that ends up costing them dearly versus if they kind of saw that from the initial get-go, they would have been much better off. So I like that last one. So yeah, it's great. We're going to have you on here in the future again. And we're excited just to keep this kind of property management aspect of real estate going. So we're trying to get more and more content around that because that's probably one of the more requested items that we get is self-managing 
and around the, the PM side of the business. So really appreciate you hopping on and helping out answer some of these questions for our listeners. Well, thank you for the opportunity and good luck to you out there. Awesome. All right, everyone. As always, until next time, think outside the box. Thank you so much for listening to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. And if you got value from this episode of the podcast, please take the time to leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Give us a written rating and a review. We'd really, really appreciate it. I'm going to let you go. But until next time, think outside the box.